Hello everyone and welcome to the Doom Productions podcast, a podcast put on by Doom Productions. I'm Jordan and normally I am joined by Ethan, um, co-host, co-collaborator, uh, director here at uh, Doom Productions, but today uh, there was a little hiccup in our plans for this week. Um, uh, I tested positive for COVID, so I've been doing the whole uh, um, isolation thing this week, and so a lot of our meeting stuff, a lot of our production things um, had to be put on hold, or rather uh, they had to be uh, moved either digitally or they just couldn't happen this week. And, you know, we wanted to get this podcast out there because we just released a short film on our channel. It's called The End of Consciousness. Uh, You can check it out on our channel. Uh, It's about five minutes long because, yeah, you're going to want to watch that for sure because we're talking about that short today. And because we, you know, just released it this week, we wanted to talk about it. Um, And I'm bummed Ethan can't be here for this episode um, because he had such a great part to play in the in the making of the movie as as always uh but maybe we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more next week in the next episode get his perspective on it but um it was a short that i did a lot of the uh a lot of the planning for all intents and purposes ethan um he had had a lot of um tech stuff that he helped out in the camera department and all that sort of thing but the story the script the editing the casting, all that kind of stuff that I was doing that one. So I don't think it's too, um, it's, uh, terribly horrible that he's not here, but you know, I'm bummed he can't make it. Um, so yeah, check out the short, pause it if you haven't seen it already. Um, and then come back here and listen to this breakdown or I guess breakdown making of, I'm not sure what to call it. It's going to be a little casual. Excuse me. Apologies if I, uh, if uh, you might hear me hacking up a lung over here, or you might hear me needing to pause to take a drink of my of my tea and all that, um, bear with me. It's gonna be it's a it's a rough solo episode this week. Um, anyways, let's let's get into it. We made a film. You've seen it by now. Um, let's talk about it. So, if you don't know who Harley who Holly Hargreaves is, she's an Australian filmmaker. Uh, we're a fan of hers here at Doom Productions. She's a fan of us. I hope I'm not... <laughs> I assume she is. Um, we've followed each other's work for a little bit now. Uh, we we discovered her through Dan Lotz, I believe, is where we discovered her from. And so um, we've kind of... We've commented on each other's videos. We've watched each other's stuff. And last, I want to say December, she sent us an email out of the blue saying, Hey, guys... Um, I'm doing a little video where I'm going to give all these filmmakers one prompt. And from that prompt, they're each going to make a little video, like a little narrative. And then you'll send it back to me. And then the idea was that she would compile all these different videos into one video for the experiment of seeing what different filmmakers do with the same prompt. And we thought that was a really cool idea. We were like, yes, absolutely, let's do it. And then she sent over the prompt, and we made the movie. The end. No, I'm joking. Um, the prompt was, oh, geez, if I was prepared, I would have pulled it up. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. From my memory, the prompt was two people drive up to a location, 
There's a driver and a passenger. Uh, the driver wants to stop and show the passenger something, but the passenger doesn't really want to. They get out, they go to the location. Uh, the driver then shows the passenger something or tells the passenger something. Then the pass- they both get back into the car, and that was it. And let's see. Yep, that was the prompt. So one, two, three, four. Uh, so four like scene headings, you know, exterior car day, interior car day. Oh, these are supposed to be set during the day. Oops, sorry, Holly. <laughs> we set ours at night. Um, I didn't realize that. Oops. But anyways, that was the kind of the outline for the prompt. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, she then gave us other little notes, like we picked the genre. We got to decide what the relationship between the driver and the passenger were. We decide, get to decide where the passenger is going and, and why. Um, the location could be wherever we wanted. And we get to decide why the driver took the passenger there and, and what they tell them. It can be serious, scary, ridiculous, or anything. Um, and she also said, if you don't have a car, you can use bikes or skateboards or just walking if, if you really don't have any anything like that um the other thing she asked for was to have an opening pull-up shot of the car where the car like pulls into its location um other than that we got to decide everything else and so ethan and i got this prompt and i believe she sent it to us end of december like i want to say it was um let's you know i can actually just double check right now uh it was the 30th of December is when she sent it to us. So Ethan and I, we, we look at this prompt. And now Ethan and I, we meet every single week. Every Monday we get together, we film our videos, we um, talk, we go over production stuff, all that kind of thing. And at each Monday following her sending us the prompt, we kind of would talk about the short, about what it was going to be. And we had a lot of different ideas. Um, but when we were together, we I, I want to say... It was almost like it was hard, not because we couldn't come up with ideas, but it was hard because it's like you could lit it. I mean, as you heard, the prompt was pretty, um, it was pretty open-ended so we could literally do whatever we wanted. And so it was just a matter of what do we want to do? And at the beginning of the year or rather end of last year, Ethan and I kind of resolved to take things easy this year to not load up our plate with too many things. And so we, I think we were kind of still on our relaxation mode to an extent. And it was kind of, you know, it wasn't a high priority for us because, you know, we had other big features we wanted to plan for this year. Uh, we just wanted to take a break. And from my memory, we kind of would meet every, you know, Monday. We'd go through our meetings with our other stuff, talk about other important things. And then the topic of the Holly video would keep coming up. And that was a case of every time it would come up, it would kind of be us going, so what's your idea? And we, and the other one would go, I don't have an idea. Do you have an idea? And then the other one would go, I, I don't have an idea either. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll take another week to brainstorm it. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of how it went for a little bit. I'm pulling up my, um, my storyboards right now. Cause I want to check if I dated these at all. Um, 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 um. No idea. Okay, no date. I think I have a rough estimate of when it happened. But anyways, at some point during, 
let's see, I want to say it was the week, it was in January, I know that for sure, I want to say it was the week of the 17th, or, yeah, it was the week of the 17th, because my school that I work at, we had to go into lockdown, or not lockdown, we had to go to switch to remote learning that week during the 17th, and so the, um, that w- that week I was at school in Zoom meetings all day, very bored, you know, because Zoom meetings are not as fun as working with kids in person. And I remember during this week, I kind of got the idea for the short As You See It. Um, I didn't have any story things. Obviously, we had some constraints with, you know, what happens plot wise. But it, I kind of had this, um, the kind of initial seed that was planted was this, this tone in this mood and the tone in the mood I pictured um you know as you see it like a like a high schooler in the back seat of a car who's pulled up to this location she's not sure where she is um she's not even sure where she came from necessarily but and she doesn't even the the relationship between her and the driver is a little bit unclear but you can tell it's menacing and it's kind of hypnotic very dreamlike I think it was, um, I don't want to say any direct inspiration because honestly there wasn't any direct inspiration. I just had got this image of this girl and this kind of, um, creature, this guy, this skeleton creepy dude, um, pulling into the station and him like hypnotizing her. And then, you know, what kind of came first were the, a lot of the slow motion shots, or I guess they weren't slow motion, but the kind of slowness of it all the idea of everything slowing down to a halt as he kind of he turns up the radio and he hears that guitar music and and he snaps his fingers and things start to happen around the car that's what kind of came to me first and then I kind of got the idea that it would develop into this psychic battle of sorts um which may have happened which may not have happened we don't really know for sure um but that was kind of the initial seed of the idea. And so after I got that idea, I kind of storyboarded it really quick because I didn't want to lose momentum or, or lose any of my ideas or thoughts on this. Excuse me. And then, um, so I boarded it. It ended up being about, let's see, 61 shots, about. There's more shots than that in the movie, I think. But about 61 shots, the storyboards ended up being... Um, in this little notebook and while I was, you know, or as soon after I finished it, I think I came to Ethan and I said, Hey, I, I think I have an idea for the Holly short. Is it cool if I, um, if we do this, if, if we just run with this idea and he's like, yeah, sure, let's, let's do it. Um, and it's fairly simple. Um, and I think I, I briefly explained to him the outline or the idea of the, of the short, um, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And it didn't require a whole lot. Um, we knew that there's only a couple things we really needed. We just needed, you know, some chocolate sauce, maybe a leaf blower, um, a stepladder, some lights. You know, we didn't spend any money on any new gear or anything for this short. <coughs> Excuse me. We didn't um, need any fancy props or anything. It was really just a matter of finding uh, an actress to play the the high schooler. Now, um, we, 
we are, are we like to work out of what we have and um that's kind of how we do everything and i had two people in mind for the for the main role because I don't think I would have written a high schooler if I didn't actually know any high schooler. Because I think anyone who knows c- casting is a big deal, can kind of be a hassle, especially in the st- uh, with COVID going on and everything. You got to be careful, um, and just interacting with people in general, um, and trying to cast you know a real high school, a real minor. Um, that's a little complicated, especially if it's just a stranger. So when it comes to casting kids or people like that, I always like to reach out to cousins or family members or friends, um, things like that. Oh, I think you can hear my family watching, uh, speaking of, you can hear my family watching Avengers in the next room. Apologies. Um, you, uh, yeah. So we like to cast with people we know just because, you know, it's always more fun to work with friends and family members and strangers. And especially if it's, you know, working with kids or minors, um, cause there's rules and laws in place to protect them. And that's all great and everything, not a knock against those rules, but you know, it's a little bit easier film production wise if, you know, hey, we can work with someone we know. That person just happens to be a friend or family member. And yeah. And so for this, I had, um, well, uh, first off, I, I, I've i I've made movies with my um, girlfriend before. She's been in a couple of our stuff. Now, she's not in high school um, any, anymore. Neither am I or anything. Um, but her sister is in high school. She's the same age as my sister. And I was like, well, I can, I can ask one of them. And I figured, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get her sister involved because I think her sister and her brother and her mom, actually, they were in one of our shorts a long time ago, but, um, they didn't, they weren't really featured as much. And so I thought, Hey, it'd be kind of cool, um, to bring Raquel in and see if she'd be interested. And so I just, I asked my uh, girlfriend, I was like, Hey, would Raquel have any interest in being in this um short and you know my girlfriend said yeah that's uh yeah she she'd be interested I then um after Amanda my girlfriend she planted that seed in her sister's um head kind of let her know that I was interested in casting this part I texted her and I was like hey um do you want to do uh be in this movie you get to have superpowers you get to uh fly you get to, you don't have to memorize any lines, um, and I'll feed you pretty much. And her sister was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, we've hinted at this before, but the prep time with the, with Raquel wasn't that much. When I was over at their place, I think I, I sprung the idea. Well, I texted her first. Then the next time I saw her, I kind of broke down the, the story and everything, told her what we needed. We then met for like 15 minutes talking about it she was cool with it she sounded excited and then the at some later point the her um and my girlfriend and their mom we all went out to dinner together and i because i was like i'll feed you and i so i bought him bought him dinner and stuff and we just kind of talked about it a little bit more i showed her the storyboards i showed talked about my ideas i said you know all we really need for you is you just to show up and for you to um have a cool costume uh so i i said design pick some clothes you think that look cool on film and i'll take a look at them and next time i saw her after that um that she showed me the clothes and i was like hey that looks good with me <laughs> so let's let's do it and so the costume 
and casting process was pretty easy. I mean, I knew that me, I would wear a suit <coughs> and I knew that I would wear a, um, uh, the skeleton mask cause it was kind of unnerving. And I thought that'd be a cool, like kind of almost super, super villain type thing, ripping off black, uh, black mask just a little bit, uh, or whatever his name is the the Batman villain. I can't remember anyways. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty easy part of the process. But then the the thing that um, the only homework I gave Raquel for acting wise, because Raquel, she's done like video stuff. She's actually pretty interested in doing behind the scenes stuff as well. But the she's never really acted before and she hasn't done too much stuff in front of the camera. That's all kind of new to her. And so what I told her um, about a week before we started shooting um, was look in the mirror and practice making expressions that look like you're in a lot of pain. Um, because I knew that, you know, there was those sequence in the movie where she's got to be like um, blasted with the mind psychic powers. And so I knew that her expression would sell that a whole lot. I mean, that's all 100% acting right there. And I said, just look in the mirror, um, practice making an expression like you're getting blasted telepathically. Um, and I was like, it's going to be a little goofy. It's going to feel a little weird. But, um, I, I did that because I, when, when someone isn't an actor or an actress or whatever, they, it's kind of a little bit information overload to talk about the motivation, the backstory, the themes of it all. Um, I mean, that's all great and good and you can do that if they want to, but I knew that Raquel probably wouldn't be interested in that. And if I said, you know, this isn't it, this isn't what's going on in the short, but if I said like, oh, the skeleton represents this issue and you are a character who's struggling with this issue and blah, 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 blah. Um, that wouldn't really work. I don't think, um, I don't think she would have known what to do with that. So what I said instead was just look in the mirror practice and practice looking really uh like you're in pain a huge amount of pain um and i gave her the pointer is if you squeeze your eyes really tight and if you open your mouth really wide it looks like it kind of it looks like you're screaming um where if you if you see the movie um that is exactly what she doesn't scream at all like on set when we were filming that she was literally just closing her her um, closing her eyes really shut and then, you know, practicing, you know, doing the stuff with her mouth, you know, doing the, you know, kind of gritting your teeth and like going, ah, like you're in pain. But then when it, when it came to the, you know, screaming shots, she wasn't actually screaming whatsoever. She was just, I just told her, open your mouth really wide because then we'll dub in the scream later. And, um, I don't know about you all, but I, I mean, I think that looked, it looked pretty good to me in terms of someone who's screaming or someone who's in pain. Um, and that was because I broke down the, the, um, acting side of it. I broke it down just purely on muscles. Um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but the, the muscles part was really what I harped on when it came to directing Raquel in this one. I gave her very, um, physical direction in terms of her face, um, or body, you know, or whatever. Like for instance, when it came to how I wanted her to move um, in the car or out in the, the parking lot, I, I would just mime it out for her and say, just do it like this. Or, you know, 
uh, show her what I wanted. And she was like, yep, that works for me. Or when it came to the facial acting kind of stuff, um, it was just a matter of being like, okay, so just frown your brow, but then don't do anything else. Or um, close your eyes like this, and then, you know, do this with your mouth. <laughs> Excuse me. So it was very, it was literally just manipulating um, the muscles. And I kind of broke it down in very physical terms because, again, if I if I tell her, or I tell anyone who's a non-actor, you know, think about this issue or your your character's coming from this place and this means this to them, that's, again, that's all good, but that doesn't help someone who's not really into acting or doesn't really know that world. So, again, you have to keep things very physical. Um, and, yeah, for the, the stuff where she's in pain... I mean, she practiced those expressions in the mirror, I'm, uh, I think, during the week. So she kind of knew what didn't look goofy or whatever. Um, and that way she could knew what muscles to use when she was in those moments. And also, um, you know, just that that uh, close your eyes and open your mouth really wide. And it looks like she's in genuine pain there. <laughs> um, and, you know, we'd yell cut and it would just be she'd get back up. She's like, did that look good? That felt a little weird. But we're like, no, that looked great. Um but on set, it was pretty lighthearted for the most part. And that was the extent of the um, the performance um, direction. Anyways, I think I got a little, little bit ahead of myself. So let's, let's take it back. So before we started shooting, we knew that there was going to be some VFX shots in the movie. The VFX shots, um, we had more planned than we actually shot. Um, we had... The shots of her flying through the air and then we and we had some extra ones where it was going to be um at the end initially what was going to happen was after the girl blasts the skeleton dude with psychic powers he was going to levitate and then he was going to kind of crumple up and start bleeding and stuff that ultimately proved too difficult to do because during our camera tests and vfx shots um for the floating raquel that um, we realized, oh, this probably wouldn't work. Um, it would be a little too tricky to do in our time frame because we only had two nights to shoot this. And so what we did instead was um, we made it a blocking thing where instead of him going up, he shrunk down below her, which actually I like better than in the power dynamic. Um, it would have been uh, cool, though, to you know have them both flying and all that stuff, but maybe on the next movie. I don't know. Um, and so... That was really the main thing. I mean, in terms of camera-wise, tech-wise, prepping the movie was just making sure we can make that flying stuff look um, believable to an extent or um, make it look decent, okay? <laughs> I knew it wouldn't look, you know, it would never look Hollywood level, but if we could just sell that those couple shots, um, we could fake the rest of it pretty easily. So the main shots that we ended up doing that, <laughs> excuse me, our CG, or not CG, the shots that are um, um, shot on a green screen, VFX shots, that is the wide shot of Raquel flying through the air. We tested that a number of different ways. And what we did first was we locked the camera down and then we set up a green screen. We Well, then we shot a, a blank plate with the skeleton man. Then we positioned... Now, when we were doing these tests, it was Ethan and myself. I think it was me who was standing in for Raquel. So then what I did was I went to the spot where Raquel would have been, 
and I filmed myself on a green screen with Ethan holding it. And so we tested it out like that. We also tested a version where we moved the camera closer and got a um, green screen plate of Raquel, or I guess myself, up close. And then we experimented with Lumakine, where we shot um, shot us on like a pure black background and saw if that worked. And the idea was just seeing, we're going to try these different methods of keying someone into or compositing someone into a frame. And we're just going to use the one that looks best. Ultimately, what worked best was the initial idea, which was just keeping the camera locked down, um, filming the skeleton man, and then within the same shot, setting up the green screen and filming Raquel. And that was because um, everything else just looked kind of weird. The keen didn't quite work for the Luma keen because Raquel's hair is black, her jacket was black, her pants were black. Um, as well as, you know, when she was up close, that's such clear detail um, that you're getting. It kind of looks weird when it's composited on top of footage that is a, a little bit grainier. Um, now you could, we could have added noise and I'm sure we could have experimented a little bit more with that, but it just ultimately didn't, didn't work as good as just the, um, other green screen. Now the downside to the original green screen where it's option one, the one we went with where, you know, the camera didn't move. We just filmed her at that distance. Um, the downside was because we didn't have as much digital information, the green screen keying wasn't as great. So I had to go in and keyframe a little bit and adjust the color a whole bunch. Um, but you know, it's not, a, it wasn't the end of the world. Overall, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm surprised with how the shot turned out. Um, it's turned out decent. I think could have been better, but you know, again, we'll, we've learned from our mistakes. We know what to do better and we'll do that on the, on the next time we want to do, uh, someone levitating through the air. The, the real mystery, or I guess maybe, again, now I think I am getting ahead of myself. The big thing <coughs> that was discovered in the, um, in the edit was adding that moon in the shot. Um, so all of the moon stuff, there was not one mention of the moon when it came to the green screen or when it came to the storyboarding and planning for this movie whatsoever. So that's kind of a fun fact. That came in during editing. But again, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me take it back <clears throat> excuse me sorry sorry everyone let me take a little quick tea break okay a little bit better thank you for bearing with me okay so after we did so okay Raquel and I like I said we met maybe three separate times most of those times were about 15 minutes except for one time when I took her out to dinner um and that might be something to bring up too I got, I made sure that I got a lot of snacks for her and Amanda because my girlfriend was going to be there too. And Ethan, I made sure to get a lot of snacks for us to have on set. It was going to be very cold. So I made sure that I had a lot of blankets um, because we were filming in the car. It kind of worked out nicely because we could just, I just left my car running for the whole time, left the heat on. And uh, they, whenever they weren't be helping out or filming anything they were just in the car warming up while Heath and I were running around in the the freezing cold weather um it's I, I this isn't an exaggeration I think it was close to freezing temperature I think it was around 60 or uh, not 60 it was around like 37 36 degrees Fahrenheit with wind chill and so it was absolutely freezing when we were shooting so that wasn't very fun but regardless um I'm getting ahead of myself again anyways um 
I made sure to get a lot of food. I told Raquel um, and my girlfriend I'd take him out to dinner two times because we were filming on two separate occasions. So, you know, I took him out to Korean barbecue. I took him out to sushi. But then, like, before or after sushi or uh, filming, um, I would get them coffee from, you know, like Starbucks or Dutch Bros. And, or we'd go through the drive-thru or we'd stop at, like, Five Guys um, and get food. And the reason I do that and the reason and I ended up spending a whole lot of money on food, which, you know, it's not a problem at all, I don't think. Um, the reason I do that is because that's the one thing that will keep people coming back to your film sets. Um, and especially if they're not film people, if they're not actors or not like crew members uh, initially, is um, feeding your crew. You know, it's kind of a nice, kind gesture. <clears throat> it's a thing of respect to an extent like hey i'm i'm not paying you you're doing this for free you're helping me out so i want to get you some food that you enjoy um and so that's kind of my philosophy behind that and you know if you focus on making it fun for them because you know i think it's fun for everyone to learn how to make a movie and have that experience at least once so if you do that with them and they have a fun time and they get they get good food um you know, that's, um, they'll, they'll want to help out in future projects. <coughs> so, I mean, obviously, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, coughing way too much. Hold on. Okay. Um, selfishly, if you, um, you know, treat them nice, they're going to want to come back for more film stuff. And, also, it's just the the right thing to do, I think. If you're asking someone to, you know, if you ask someone to help you move, you buy them a pizza. Or if you ask someone to do you a favor, you usually do a favor in, in return. So that's kind of, that's kind of um, my philosophy on food. And I also figured, you know, we're not spending a whole lot of money on props or um, gear or anything like that. So it's just going to go to, um, you know, taking them out to eat and getting them food. Um, and so, yeah. The prep work was those mini meetings with um, Raquel, the one night of camera testing with Ethan, and then getting all the food ready and stuff like that. So that brings us to the the filming of the of the short. Um, like I said, it was very cold that night. The plan was we were going to shoot um, the <coughs> excuse me the exterior car stuff on Friday. We decided to do that because that was going to be the most complicated and hardest stuff. We were going to front load our Friday, so Saturday would be easier to do. And then on Saturday, we were going to film everything that takes place inside the car. That was the plan. As I said, it was freezing, really cold. I made sure to keep my car running for that whole time. Um, so it was warm inside. Raquel and Amanda, they could, or anybody really, or Ethan or myself, we could just sit in the car if we needed a break to warm up. Um, we could also, you know, didn't have to really go anywhere. It was actually in Ethan's work where we were filming. So he had access to the inside building. So if we were really dying, we could go inside and we could use the bathrooms in there. Um, cause he had access, you know, he could open the doors and stuff. <coughs> and so that was the idea, um, in terms of keeping them comfortable. And that's another key in making sure people have a good time is making sure they're comfortable and making sure that they, um, you know, 
they feel like they can, you know, take a break if they need it, you know, because some people are a little timid. I'm not saying Raquel or Amanda are timid, but like some people um, are not as good self-advocates as others. So some people are perfectly comfortable saying, hey, yo, I need a break or I need to um, use the bathroom. Some people will just kind of suffer silently because that's more comfortable for them, which I completely understand. I'm like that to an extent. Um, so that's why whenever I'm leading a crew or a set, I always open it up to, does anyone want a break? Does anyone want snacks? Does anyone need to use the bathroom? Does anyone, you know, need this or that? I always open that up because you never know if someone really, you know, they, they, if, if someone needs a break, they should have a break. And again, that keeps them happy. Um, it means that when they are filming with you, that they are putting forth their, you know, as much as they can do because, you know, it would be really crappy if I was an actor and I needed a break and the director was like, no, no, we're just going to shoot the rest of it right now. I'm not going to give as good of a performance. So giving your crew a break or your actors a break, that'll um, ultimately helps you out again, selfishly, but it's also the right thing to do, of course. So um yes so friday night we were going to shoot all of the um exterior stuff so in that time we shot about geez we shot most of the movie because you know most of the movie is those um kind of showdown shots (coughs) excuse me and then um the night was freezing a lot of wind um very very cold um and I think we filmed in about three hours, four hours, something like that. Um, we were a little bit behind schedule, but it wasn't too big of a deal um, because it was just the four of us. It was pretty low stakes shooting. It was pretty fun, actually. A lot of fun to shoot because of, you know, when after you shoot like seven or eight feature films, shooting a short film becomes like so easy. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a huge mountain to climb as much as a feature film. And so filming went great on Friday. The only thing was, of course, that it was super duper cold. And then what I did was that night when we got back um, to when I got back to my place, um, I did a little bit of editing. I also did a little bit of editing Saturday morning before we were going to shoot. And I I just cut together what we had to make sure that one that the VFX worked and that the there wasn't anything missing because we shot everything that was boarded, but sometimes the way you board something doesn't necessarily cut together very well. Excuse me. And so what ends up happening is I love to edit. That's why I love to edit after um, I shoot something, just because one, I can figure out, did I miss anything or did the VFX work? And there was a couple of things that I noticed that we were missing. Um, One of those things was a lot of, close-ups like when Raquel is flying that shot of her feet the shot of her uh, hand that stuff when she was floating that wasn't I mean it was boarded but we ended up changing it and kind of cutting it to an extent on that Friday so when we came back to shoot on Saturday it was great to have the opportunity to be like hey we missed this so we're going to add this to the shooting today there's also a couple of uh, reaction or not reaction shots um some of the showdown stuff that we were missing a lot of the psychic power using there were some close-ups of Raquel's hands that we didn't get uh the the initial shot of the skeleton man when he was flailing about was really close and my arms were kind of 
crunched to my side or stuck to my side. And so it didn't really look, you know, you couldn't really tell what was going on um, because it was so, the shot was so tight. So what we did was we reshot it where it was a lot farther back and I was flailing my arms around a lot and that just read a lot better. And those are the kinds of things. That's why I love reshoots on a, on a um, what's it called? A, a no budget film or a, a independent film because you catch these things that you don't, um, that you miss. And so you have the chance to be able to change it and make your movie better. And it's not some studio saying you need to add a joke or you need to shoot it like this. It's 100% the artist going, oh, this thing isn't as good as it could be. Let's shoot a couple of more things to make it better. And that's what we did on Saturday. That's what we started off with. Uh, we started off outside of the car, grabbed a couple of those shots. It's kind of funny. This is um, this might be too much of a uh, uh, a derailment of the conversation, but I'll tell it anyway. The cops showed up. Now, we're in a parking lot. Ethan works at this place you know he has total we had total freedom permission we had permission from his boss to be there um but it's a place that is also open to the public there's a golf course around the area um if you watch the movie you might see some green hills in the background uh that's a disc golf course where people can go and park and so every now and then um you know and they're in their operating hours too so because the 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 building closes at 10 i think we we filmed at um gee i want to say six o'clock to about 10 o'clock we gave ourselves that four-hour window regardless um sometimes it's open to the public public people can or people can go to that place um and so it's not unusual for the cops to show up um if something happens or goes wrong or if someone gets a call now we knew um obviously since ethan works there there wouldn't have been any trouble regardless but anyways we're filming this green screen shot um, or one of them on the second night on that Saturday. Um, it's the shot of Raquel's feet where she's kind of dangling. Um, and we see a cop car pull up to us and we're like, Oh geez, who called the cops on us? Um, again, I knew we weren't in trouble because we had total permission to be there, but we thought, you know, my headlights are on flashing on and off cause we're filming. We're turning them on for a shot, turning them off for another shot. Um, maybe the, Maybe there's neighborhoods who are getting mad at us. But anyway, the police officer shows up and he goes, hey, um, did any of you all see a man? I think it was blue jeans running around with no sh- with one shoe on. And we were like, um, no, why? What happened? And the dude tells us he goes, um, well, there was a, a drunk driver ran into a house. He ran into um, like into someone's house. And then he just bolted and they were looking for him and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, but if we, um, if we, you know, we'll let you know if we, if we see anything and he was cool about it. He was like, oh, what you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're making a movie. And he kind of joked around. He's like, I'll come back and I'll shoot my close up or whatever. Um, I kind of wish we had done something like that. I don't know. I don't know how we would have incorporated a police officer into this, but it would have been kind of funny. Uh, but he drove off and he was, um, you know, he was cool about it. And then a little bit later when we were filming later, um, another police officer comes up and asks us the same question. And he kind of parked his car, um, right across from my car in the lot. And essentially what they were doing was, 
or what that police, the first police officer was just kind of driving and looking around. But the second police officer, he parked his car in front of mine. Um, if you watch the short film, look at where Raquel is standing in that showdown. That's where the, the guy parked. And he got out of his car and he just kind of did a sweep around the property. And he kind of looked through the nearby neighborhoods to look for this guy who had like drove into someone's house. Um, and so for half of the shoot, it kind of felt like we had security to an extent because we had a cop car that was stationed um, right next to us with these red lights flashing and everything. It was kind of cool. Um, but anyways, it didn't ruin our filming anything or anything because after by that point um it was all all the shooting was done inside the car excuse me so um when we're inside the car i mean this might i'm sorry everyone if this seems a little boring um but this is really just um i mean this was a pretty easy shoot once we were inside the car um the main thing was the lighting which i think that was the big thing that i seen a lot of people comment on or ask about which is the lighting to answer your question i don't know what that light is called but my sister has this really cool kind of like trippy lighting setup where it projects these weird waves on the wall and it happened it it wasn't like battery powered you had to plug it into um um i don't know what they're like a usb port you know how you charge your iphones it had a similar thing now that you use to plug into and so what i did was i plugged that into my car charger or my phone charger in my car to uh power that light and we just kind of sat that up in the middle of the of the car to let the light you know bathe everything in this cool wavy texture um but yeah yeah we uh filming in the car went great very low-key very easy again with the facial acting um I just gave Raquel very physical directions where it was just like, okay, now frown your brow like this. Now look over here, look over here, raise your eyebrows like you're curious or you're scared. Um, That was really the extent of my direction. Again, because, you know, no need to overload her brain with too much information. Um, And yeah, filming went great that second night. Editing was, um, I think the film was edited later in the, within the next few days honestly it was edited pretty quickly after that happened um but yeah um editing the film was a whole i mean the real revelation with editing the film was again those moonshots to kind of i guess not give it context but add a little more texture a little more character to the movie um for anyone who doesn't know i've been learning blender for about a year and year and uh three months about i started not last december but the december of 20 um 2020 so yeah almost a year and a half now or a year and three months um and it's um i love it i love the software it's a fun program and i knew in the back of my head that there was a chance that i was going to add some like spell past superpower effects of like stuff blasting through the air ultimately i scrapped that idea but what i took away from it was like well it'd be kind of cool to add like the moon and stars in the background of the shot and i i knew for a fact i could um i could model the moon really easily that's actually a really easy thing to make and i could do a star field that's a pretty easy thing to make as well and 
as soon as I added that in that wide shot, I was like, oh, dang. Um, well, I might as well add these close-ups and I can do a whole cool like color thing with the moon where the moon is these different colors as well. And they're almost like fighting for control of the moon um, to turn it into like this battle for <laughs> the moon, for lack of a better word, for lack of a better term. Um, so it it was a fun thing to add in post. And that's one of those great parts about filmmaking is you're never done even when you're done. Like there's stuff that we storyboarded that or that I storyboarded, but the movie didn't end there because once we filmed it, how it was boarded, I found that there was stuff missing. And so then I had to go back and I had to um, edit it or I would get some new shots. And then even when I was editing, I realized that there's some stuff missing there and I, I got to add in the moon stuff, which was really, really fun. Um, along with the editing came the music. The music was kind of the seed a part of that initial seed of the idea to do uh there was another film project I was going to do where I had this really cool idea for the climax to use that song and I wrote I I wrote that song and I did like lyrics for it and everything and there was supposed to be singing and the build-up was a little bit different but it was more or less the same chord progression and the, and the same mood and tone and once I realized that project was going to happen I just kind of had it the song floating around and once I knew I was going to do this project, the um, this the um, one with Raquel and and the Skeleton Man, I realized that hey, this would be a great place to put that song. Um, I'm not a singer, so there's I you know I didn't really want to sing it, um, but I don't think it needed it anyways. And that was something I just made in GarageBand on my phone. Um, I what I did was I would hit play on the edit of the movie, and then I would play guitar as the movie was playing and I would play to the the movie itself so it was actually like proper scoring I've never gotten to do that on it well actually no I did that on another project a while ago but this is one of the few times when I've actually gotten to score the movie to the movie because usually what you do is you or what I do is I as I watch the movie I'll kind of take notes of the timing and then I'll create the music because the music in GarageBand it's not organic it's not real instruments um this time, what I got to do was I got to hit play and record at the same time, and I got to play, and what you hear is me playing along with the movie, which is kind of a cool thing. The the um, the drums, the violin, all the other instruments, everything that's not a guitar, that came in after the fact. Um, and I just kind of made sure that everything was building to an appropriate place or, or an appropriate amount. That was kind of the whole idea with the music. Um, and then after, after the music was there, I mean, very minimal sound edit. Well, I don't want to say there wasn't a whole lot to do sound wise, or I guess there was, and there wasn't sound editing is always a tricky thing, but we didn't record any onset audio. It was everything in the movie was dubbed all the sounds, all the Foley, that's all fake. And everything before the superpowers was pretty straightforward, but it was really just, you know, once those superpowers hit, it was a, it was a matter of giving each character a distinct tone, a distinct kind of characteristic of the of the um their superpower and making sure it wasn't too loud because it was a it was a movie where in some of the earlier cuts it was there was just way too much stuff going on in the sound design. So I ended up stripping back a whole lot of stuff and simplifying things um when it came to the sound design for this movie and all the different sound effects they're used. Um 
and I've been talking for almost 50 minutes now, wow, about the making of the movie, but that is essentially how the movie was made. I realize that that might not have been the most interesting stuff to talk about, but that's how it was made. I think before I move on to the other segments, I want to talk about what's going on in the movie to an extent. Um, it was a movie that was driven by tone, as I said. That was the initial idea. I didn't really want to explain things too much, and I still don't want to explain really what's going on in the movie itself um, because it's something that I think is kind of left best left unanswered and unexplored. It's something where I think I wanted to create a scenario and a mood and a tone where people could apply different things to it and interpret it in different ways. That's something that I really like. Those are my favorite kinds of movies where there's a lot of different stuff going on and whatever's happening depends on who's watching the movie. So Ethan will have a different interpretation of it than um, Raquel. And she'll have a different interpretation of it than the RC boys who who watched it the other night. And they'll have a different interpretation than Holly who gave us the whole idea for the movie. Um, and so... That was kind of the idea is it kind of it's both experimental and not experimental. I feel like the movie's fairly straightforward. Um, it's fairly literal to an extent. Like it's not hard to follow what's going on. It's two people with superpowers kind of duke it out and then one wins. But I think outside of those literal visuals, there is a deeper level of like what does this mean or what does this represent? We love using colors like that, and that's kind of that was something that we took into consideration. We did the colors, but regardless, um, it's a movie where I don't want to explain everything that's happening. But it's it's also a movie where I would love to hear what people think is happening or the greater context of what's happening, because again, I think it's a fairly straightforward. It's easy to follow. It's not like um, a Salvador Dali that one that he did with um, Louis Brunel. Uh, Unshian Endelo, I think that was the name of it. Yeah, it's not like that or you know other experimental films, but there's kind of a an experimental flair where there's kind of some weird stuff in it, I guess, to an extent. Um, so if you've seen the movie, I'd love to hear your thoughts of what you think is going going on in the movie, um, or what's happening, or what it might represent, and all the themes and stuff. Um, but. I guess what my kind of last thing I'll add on that subject is it was really inspired by that tone and mood uh, of that initial idea of the aesthetic of the whole thing. And then from there, that's where I kind of started thinking about the colors and kind of the the visual like representations of everything and what, what it all kind of means thematically to me. Um, yeah. And so if you have ideas, I'd love to hear them. Leave them if if you're watching us on YouTube. Um, leave a comment what you think is going on. And also, if you have any more questions on the short film, um, leave them down below or go to our short film and ask them. I'd love to hear it. I think next week we'll probably touch on this a little bit with Ethan just to um, kind of, you know, add any so he gets the chance to give some of his thoughts on the movie and the process of all that. I kind of covered all the boring stuff, I think, and uh, the, um, you know, technical stuff. But, you know, 
if you have any questions, keep the conversation going because we'd love to. Um, let us know what you want to know about that short film. And yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'll leave it. And so we now come to the segment um, called "What are you What are you working on?" Um, this is the part of our podcast where we just share what we're working on, and usually Ethan's here asking me this question. I'm asking him this question, um, but I will um, I'll answer for Ethan, which I'm sure he won't mind. It's been about the same for for a while now. He is editing the bell rings. I know that for a fact. Um, he he's shown me bits of it and I'm very excited. That's all I'll say on that movie. I'm very happy with how it's turning out so far. Um, he's really excited about the whole project and it's, um, it's going to be really great. I cannot wait for people to see it. The other thing that's going on with, well, actually, no, I can't talk about that. Never mind. Uh, you will have to wait for, from Ethan, for Ethan to hear about that. Anyways, um, for me, since I've been isolating for the past, you know, almost a week now, um, I have been doing a lot of writing. This has been a great chance for me to do some writing. I finished up one script. That's a project that we're working on with the... Do I want to reveal? I'll wait because I can't remember if we've revealed it in public yet or not. There's a project that we are collaborating with with another filmmaking team um another pair of youtube filmmakers we're doing a feature film with them that has been written um i have been writing another feature film or i guess outlining it um which is part of a bigger collaboration with a lot of other youtubers and that's been a lot of fun and then the other thing i've been working on is a feature film version of the short film uh, end of consciousness. So I guess that's my little reward to you. If you stuck around for this whole thing. Um, I know you might've heard me talk about in the past. I was planning to do a Halloween, witch movie this summer that is now on the back burner for now. I'm going to do that. I'm going to aim to shoot that in October, which actually works out because nothing, there's nothing like, you know, the look of fall, um, in October. It looks really beautiful, but that's been pushed back to the fall. And now instead, I'm going to do, be working on a feature film version of the short film, End of Consciousness. Um, fingers crossed that everything works out. I don't know who's all going to be involved, but I know that after doing the short film, it got a lot of my creative juices kind of flowing, and I thought about what it would look like as a feature. And that's kind of the idea. I just, I literally just finished writing the, the script today, actually a few hours ago. So I've been working on that. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for more information there. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun one and it's going to make even less sense than the short, <laughs> which is, I mean, maybe you'll like that. Maybe you won't. I don't know, but that's kind of what I've been working on. And the last part of our show our podcast is a little segment called what are we watching so we end with what are we working on and what are we watching and so for me <coughs> excuse me um i've still been uh chipping away at the lord of the rings slash the hobbit behind the scenes d documentaries i am on the 
Battle of Five Armies, the second disc of that. So I'm almost done with everything. And it's um it's really cool. I I think they're a lot of fun. Um, to and it's cool to see filmmaking at its like most expensive, most top level, run by really passionate filmmakers. Um, I think it's it's been a really insightful thing. And I, I've seen all these documentaries before, but it's always I like I like to revisit them. Um, at least once once a year or so, along with the movies themselves. Um, and then the only other thing. I really watched this week was um, I watched the old Rankin Bass Hobbit cartoon, which I don't know if anybody else has seen that, but it's a pretty fun adaptation of the of the Hobbit. Um, they're the same company that did the stop motion Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer specials and like Frosty, and um, um, Santa Claus is coming to town and the the. Mr. Snow, oh, what's it called? It's got the the frozen guy and the and the fire guy. I can't remember what their name is. Rankin Bass. They did a lot of stop motion, but they also did uh, adaptations of Tolkien's work, um, and they're pretty fun. Got a lot of nice music in it. Very kind of folk soundtrack um, with singing and everything, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, and for me, it's really funny because I read I read the books of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit before I saw the movies. And for a long time, that hot version of the Hobbit, that was like as good as I could get, right? Because they had made Lord of the Rings, but there was no kind of, you know, when the Hobbit was going to happen, that was very up in the air. No one really knew for sure. I think there were some rights issues and all that kind of thing. Um, so for a long time, I was, you know, you know, I read the book a whole bunch and I saw that cartoon. That was really my version of the, of the Hobbit. And so it's kind of cool to compare that cartoon to the, the feature film or the three feature films that, um, they ended up doing, making it into a trilogy. Um, and yeah, so I watched that and I think it's a lot of fun. If no one has seen it, um, I definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you're a fan of Tolkien's work or if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all that kind of stuff. They also did an adaptation of Return of the King, um, which is also equally entertaining, I think. It's pretty fun. Um, it's fun kind of like Saturday morning cartoon type stuff. So, yeah, I recommend that to anyone to check out. And, yeah, I don't think that I've watched anything else, really. I've been watching a lot of... Oh, you know what? I did watch one other thing. The other thing I watched was this um, documentary series called 10 Years with Hayao Miyazaki. Now, I'm sure most of you have heard of, <coughs> excuse me, Studio Ghibli. They did uh, My Neighbor Totoro, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, all that kind of stuff. Um, there was a Japanese documentary series where um, I think it's called NHK. I don't know what NHK is. I'm assuming that it's the equivalent of Japan's PBS from what I've seen just on their website, just clicking around. I don't know for sure. Anyways, in 2006, they hired a documentary filmmaker to follow Hayao Miyazaki for 10 years um, from 2006 to 2016, essentially, and follow him and document just his life and his process and so 
it begins, um, I believe, geez, when does it start? I, I think it starts before um, Ponyo, his movie Ponyo, like a little bit before that. And it takes you up to The Wind Rises, pretty much. <laughs> and so it it's a really fascinating documentary. Um, it's you can anyone can watch it for free. Just type in 10 years with Hayao Miyazaki. You can watch it for free on the NHK website or whatever the website it is that hosts it. Um, really fascinating look into a master of his craft working late into his life. I think he's in his 70s or 80s. Um, old guy, but very inspiring. Very, very cool to see. Um, I checked that out. And I'm, I didn't watch it necessarily, but something that pairs really well with that is the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which is the documentary that was made, uh, which is funny because it kind of picks up right after that 10 years with Hayao Miyazaki series um, ends off. So watch that 10 years series, then watch Kingdoms of Dreams and Madness, and then watch The Never Ending Man. Those are three documentaries about Shibli and Miyazaki and all that kind of stuff. Really fun stuff if you're into animation or um, filmmaking in general. Anyways, I've been rambling long enough. My throat's starting to hurt again. Um, So I'm going to end it here. Thank you for watching. Or, (coughs) excuse me. Thank you for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you want to support us in any way, um, you can go to our merch shop and you can buy some cool gear. We got shirts. We got mugs. We got um, posters and stuff like that. Um, if you don't want to spend the money, that's totally cool. I get it. Money's tight these days. The best thing you can do is like us, subscribe us, uh, follow us on, on all our social medias and, um, and give us a follow and share the, spread the word about doom productions and what we're doing here. We do new podcasts every Friday, new videos every Wednesday. And this Wednesday, you're going to be getting a, uh, breakdown of the storyboards of this short film. So, Stay tuned for that. But anyways, until Wednesday, hope you all have a good weekend.